Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Because a vision softly creeping Left its seeds while I was sleeping And the vision that was planted in my brain Still remains Ah, oh, we'll come to this Within the sound of silence Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's my sad duty to inform those of you living under a rock that Sunderland have been relegated from the Premier League. It's a sad time for all of us, and it is an unjust world indeed, but the intrepid crew of the Royker Report will go on. I'm joined today by Gav, Callum, Jim and Jimmy. How are you lads doing? Not bad, not bad. bad. Yeah, yeah, I'm alright. So Gav, what did you make of the Borough game, mate? Uh, we were dross, we were absolutely terrible. Um, I don't know, it's just it's becoming a common theme on these podcasts talking about Attitude and lack of fight and and just general can't be asked, you know, kind of mindset and uh, that game epitomises for me. I just think that whenever we come up against a poor team season, we've very very rarely shown um, any sort of you know any sort of fight, but to a level where it's embarrassing to watch. We we aren't we aren't coming out at, and really throwing everything at teams where. It doesn't, regardless of opponent, we're playing the same way, the same kind of um, pace of the game. But we aren't. There's no tempo when we're playing. It's just a, it's just a, a hard place to be, really. And, and that game especially was, was difficult to watch. I just don't think that these players, are, they're just, they're not, they're not with it. It's just, it's like, all right, season's coming when we're not getting relegated. It might not be mathematically confirmed, but everyone knows it's happening. And why should we, you know? Why should we throw everything at winning? It's just I don't think any player goes out and deliberately tries to lose or doesn't try hard on purpose. I, th- I think I don't I don't think I think when you're on the pitch and you're playing, you, there's certainly a place where you can up your work rate, and I guess that's what we're not doing. So they are they are going out and they're trying they're trying to play and they're trying to obviously win the game, mm. but not to the, an acceptable level. It's just it's yeah it, you could replace the, the name Middlesbrough with any team in the league this season. And you can probably look back and go, yeah, same type of performance. It's just one of many poor displays, really, from a poor bunch of players, from a poor manager, from from a group who are totally disorganised, don't really look like they're like playing with each other, look like they've just met, just stepped off a plane and never even seen each other before. Um, uh, it's just, again, again, it's just coming away, feeling deflated by the lack of character, the lack of leadership. And the Middlesbrough game, really, I mean, although we had our relegation confirmed this weekend, it would have been nice going to the, going to the match uh, Saturday gone with a win under our belt and just mm. being able to look forward and go, you know, it doesn't matter that we're going down because ultimately these players have fought for the last couple of games. That's what I wanted to see, but it's just not going to happen, is it? We're, we're going to see more and more of these displays come between now and the end of the season. It's just going to be a case of... Yeah, another defeat, another defeat. Can't wait the season's over because there's nothing there. Even mm. players that were performing early in the season just don't look interested. Defoe, Defoe in the Borough game, pointless. He just looks void of confidence, which is amazing, really, for a player who's thrived. Majority of the time he's been here, thrived under the, the situation that we find ourselves in, being the only player that we can count upon. Even he's mentally gone, he's drained, doesn't look bothered. Wants to be away clearly, and it's just yeah, I'm 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 pretty much done. 
now like the Middlesbrough game killed any sort of hope that I had left the, the lingering uh, feelings around it yeah, I, I actually convinced myself that we would win that game yeah. and I shouldn't have I was I was an idiot for thinking that no it's a, it's a sad state of affairs isn't it I mean for that it was definitely a, if we were going to have any hope of staying up I agree with you there I also not just for the fact that I wanted to go into the into the Bournemouth game with a little bit of excitement but a little bit of hope do you know what I mean I wanted to see something that I mean, we've been exp- we've been spoiled over the years, haven't we? We've been spoiled with these constant um, miracle runs towards the end. You know what I mean? And as matches have come and gone recently over the last like six, seven weeks, you you've started to well, we knew anyway. The sensible people knew, but it's it's pretty much confirmed that those those opportunities or the opportunity to go on this miracle run again to stay up somehow to pull out some sort of heart and fight it was gradually leaving us every game that goes by is it's less likely that you'll see a good game in the future do you know what I mean does anyone think that it's fair to say or do you think Gav that it's fair to expect any kind of extra effort with now that there's no pressure on the team or anything like that to stay up um, yes because I think well, I'm obviously looking at it as a, you know, as a Sunderland fan, and I just expect every player that goes out there to give everything they've got in every game. It's a way, even I, I never, I played like kids football, you know what I mean? But mm. it didn't matter who I was playing against, I always wanted to give me all. And I, I kind of find that hard to deal with when I'm watching certain players mope around and, and not really put everything into what they're trying to do. I just don't understand that really. I know they're all they're all obviously drained mentally, physically, kind of done. Really, they're looking forward to the season just being over like the rest of us. But they they've got a they've got a chance to influence games we don't. Where I'm watching, I, I mean I know we'll get onto the the Bournemouth game, but I'm watching players like Stephen Pienaar, who've mm. come to this club, really been done a favour by getting a contract because he was by all accounts he was going to sign for a team in South Africa. Before we came in from, that's yeah. where he's at. Yeah. You know, got a big another another last idea from a Premier League club, and he he the other day was I don't know whether it's just because he can't run anymore, or it's just embarrassing. Like watching players like that play for my team who just shouldn't be here. So it's just it's the whole the whole season's been a complete piss take really. Like and you know we, we we're looking at the games coming up now, Swansea, Hull, teams who are going to need to beat us will beat us because of that reason. And I just think, like, why isn't that us? Hull was so far behind at one point to be even in with a shout of staying up is amazing. Credit to them for the way they went about things. And I just look at that and I think, how's it got to this? Where, like, start the season, Hull with the butt of everyone's jokes, haven't got a team, weren't buying players, didn't have a proper manager. And then we get to, we get to now... Where we we at that point had a manager in place who was signing players who he knew. We didn't know mm. what was going to happen with McNair players like that. You know, he was signing players that he knew. Um, we were all looking forward. To, at, 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 well, I wouldn't say it all, but most people were looking forward to, to seeing how Sunderland did under David Moyes, thinking you know solid appointment. And then to tra- fast forward all this time for Hull to be so far ahead of us in every aspect. The, the biggest disaster walking Hull at one point mm. to be so far ahead of us. Is absolutely criminal. This football club has went backwards in such a short space of time, and it's 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 got the state where I worry. I really do worry about the rest of the season and how much damage it's going to do because we've got we've got what four games left? Two against quality teams, two against teams who need to beat us. Mm. And I'd be surprised we're getting a point. To be honest, the players the players just don't look interested. No, they don't. And to be honest, when you've got players like Gibson, I mean Gibson in the Borough game was. He was he was dreadful. Like I, I thought, it was absolutely abysmal. He, he's incapable of passing the ball forward. He was so slow and so pedestrian. And I didn't think I could see a worse performance in centre midfield. And then we saw Stephen Pienaar on Saturday, and that was honestly you could have put a hula hoop around him, and he wouldn't have left that circle. He barely moved for ninety for however long he was on the pitch. He just had absolutely no impact whatsoever. Um, I thought that the whole the whole game on Saturday in particular was just it was just it was just poor there was no atmosphere in the ground it was um, well what, even when we went 1-0 down you know there was obviously there was a smattering of, of booze and there was there was chance to you know we were Moyes out and all that but I think on the whole just we've said it time and time again but there's just so much apathy around the ground that's purely in my opinion come from the manager um, you know it's 
were just it's just really sad to see. I mean, Donald Lovell, he was another one who had a shocker on Saturday. I thought it was quite nice to see his name on the team sheet. You know, I thought, oh, at least a bit of fresh legs. It'd be nice to see um, if he has an impact. And on that performance, he'll struggle in the championship. You know, I mean, it was a bad day at the office. We won't rule him out, but he was he was really poor. Like, yeah, it, it was a it was. I mean, I thought Bournemouth wasn't too bad, to be honest. I thought Barrow was, like Gav said, the epitome of our season. It was it was awful. The first half just. You could do a tick list of things that's gone wrong this season, and most of them were hit in that game. You had the soft goal defensively where two players switch off, and Pickford, to be fair to him, let us down with that goal. I feel as if he was caught off guard by it. He put himself in no man's land. He sold himself, and he's actually cost us a couple goals in the last few weeks. So even the players we could rely on have let us down. But yeah, Burrow, I mean, soft goal, lack of effort in the first half, and then the second half, we had so much of the ball. We had so many chances to go forward and actually have an impact on the game, create something. We could barely even get a shot. Just watching that game, I remember thinking, God, the championship will be better than this. We might actually get six shots in the game. We might actually have a chance at seeing our team score goals. I mean, I just came away from that Middlesbrough game so flat. And to be fair, against Bournemouth, I thought we actually played some all-out attack football. Mm. We actually tried to have a go. We tried to attack. We committed men forward. We had chances. I've been doing the match reports now for the last four or five months. It's without a doubt the most action-packed, exciting game we've had at the Stadium of Light yeah. in the time that I've been doing them. So I wouldn't be too negative on the, on the Bournemouth game. I'd just like to add that I thought Defoe was poor in that game. That it was a game where we needed a big performance from him and he let us down. It's not the first time, yeah. Well, is it? Yeah, I'm sorry, he, he, has, he really, he has to, he, he has to get a bit of criticism. I think Jermaine, he gets away with murder on the whole. Like he's been, he's been poor for a few months now, hasn't he, lads? He's he's not looked up for it at all. Yeah, I mean, from from my point of view, the the two games this week, it's just it's so it's so predictable. I mean, i I don't know how how anyone else feels when they're actually watching the games, but. I I feel like I'm watching a recording. I feel like I'm watching a repeat when when I'm when I'm watching the games because uh, you know a chance will come along and I'll I'll not react in the same way I have done in the past because I think oh he's, it's like I already know he's going to miss it and and it's the same with like the Defoe chance against Bournemouth. Part of me's thinking you know part of me's getting a little bit excited, but then I'm also thinking well actually I don't have any confidence that this team are going to ever score a goal. And it, and it's like every match is a recording. Every single match, I feel like I'm watching the same game. And it's just epitomises the whole season. It's 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 been predictable from the very beginning for me. Um, a lot of the players that we've mentioned who have not been up to scratch are players who Moyes has brought in. Yanezai um, has has been a disgrace. There's nothing, there's no other way to put it this season. He was... It was a disgrace when he came on against uh, against Borough. You know, just simple, easy mistakes, and and uh, and you know, and, and the fact that he came on for Kazri when we're one 0 down. This game basically seals our relegation against against Borough, really. Um, and and he takes Kazri off and and puts on Yanzai. When you think, well, why not just lose two 0 We need to win this game. Why not just go for it? Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was great to see. It was great to see us go for it against Bournemouth. You know, it was good to see us get a few more chances, play you know, play a slightly more attacking system. But why has it taken so long? Why does it get to? The, I mean, fair enough, mathematically we were relegated on Saturday, but this has been coming for months. Eleven of the last thirteen games, we have not scored. Where has this been? I mean, we we were going down. Months ago, everyone, it, the writing was on the wall from 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 you know before the before the new year. Where has this been? Where has the organisation been for for this whole time? I I don't give him any credit for figuring out to play Kasri because I'm not paid millions of pounds a year and I knew he should play Kasri. Mm. So I don't give him any credit for making simple decisions or taking slight risks when there's nothing to risk anymore. Mm. What what was that a risk? It's you know it it. It baffles me. It really does, and it's just so frustrating. And and to have him offer his platitudes about how he thinks about the fans, and 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 you know, people say, oh well, wasn't it good that we had a few more shots on Saturday? Well, you know, 
you know, not really. I, I, I point still found it very, very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is it. I mean, I agree with you. I mean, presumably he keeps his tactile acumen in the same place that he keeps his charisma and his interpersonal skills. You know what I mean? They're not readily accessible to him. I don't <laughs> know what the score is there. I mean, talking about the Bournemouth game more than the Borough game. Yeah, I was disappointed by the Borough game also. Um, I felt much like you lads have described, like, especially what you said there, Callum, like, just the way you feel every game, it, it's, it differs now to, to what it used to be. It, it, it's very different and it isn't just a, like a, a plight of what's currently happening to us. It's a, it's him, isn't it? It's this energy sapping man. Do you know, he's like a vampire. He just, he takes away that optimism. You, uh, if he even, if you're in a situation, if those players go out onto the pitch and they're in a situation where they're feeling pumped up, I have no idea what that's a result of because you're damn sure it isn't Moyes riling them up, do you know, what I mean? in the dressing room. Moving on to the Bournemouth game, I saw a lot. Again, like you say, it's all it's all moot, really. Yes, we had more shots on target. Did they look like they were trying harder or trying at all? I mean, I'm not sure if the question was ever really, are the players trying necessarily? It's more about their capability and their mindset than it's ever been about whether or not they're actually wanting to run 90 minutes or to win a game. Because no, no professional football player goes into a match, well, unlike what we're told, that they shouldn't really go into a football match thinking, oh, well, I don't really care about this. Do you know what I mean? Um, mercenaries or not. But, I mean, it is what it is. We lost that again, and we now have, as Gav said, we have four games left to look forward to, uh, well, to nothing, really. What are we looking forward to? Is there any possibility that we'll come out of this with our heads held high? No, it's not possible at all. Uh, Is there any way that anything will be changed as far as Moyes is concerned and how much information we're given about him? No, shouldn't matter, really. Shouldn't have anything to do with what's going on in the next four games. Points don't matter. Uh, players don't matter, really. I, I suppose to some small extent, you could look at getting them in the shop window, but I wouldn't say that there's many to put in the shop window. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm not sure anyone would want to even deal with Moyes coming into the next round. I'm not sure anyone in the Premier League would be happy at the prospect of dealing with David Moyes with regards to purchasing players from Sunderland. I don't know. We've been told, though, that it's more about Bain, do you know what I mean? It's more about his influence on the team, his influence at the club, what he's what he's got planned. Um, what that is, I don't know. We can only speculate, but while we do, let's move on specifically to Moy's post-match comments. Now, there's, <laughs> there are a thousand different ways you can look at this. You can interpret this however you please. But what, <laughs> what Moy said was, basically he was asked uh, about his future. His response was that it was a question for three weeks' time. And essentially, he needed to stew over it. It was something that he needed to think about. You know, he needed to ponder this. Uh, Gav, what would you make of those comments, mate? Um, I, I just think it's a standard reply to Steve off the report, as he's not mm. going to give. I, I don't think he's going to come out and say, "My job's definitely safe," because he can't say that because mm. he doesn't know that. And it doesn't matter how many assurances you get given by a chairman. Um, you can't. You can't just come out and say that. At the same time, it could be a ploy from him to um, show that he's not willing to accept maybe crap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess the way to put it, if, if Shaw turns around and tells him, right, your budget's rubbish, this, that and the other, he could then turn around and go, well, I don't like that and give himself some you know, room to bargain with. I don't know. Um, but I, I just think what he said really was pretty standard just to keep the, keep the, the reporters from speculating over it too much which I don't think has happened really I think people have looked into it and went hmm because he actually said on more than one occasion um, he actually said well, a variant variation of, of those words so mm. he didn't he, to, I heard him say to one reporter it was a question for three weeks time then to another it was a slightly different answer um, so I just I, I wouldn't read too much into it at the minute what I hope is that when the season ends they sit down and decide that it's not working and he leaves. But, you know, how and whether that would even happen is entirely up for debate. Everything we hear from from the club, uh, the very little that we do here, seems to point towards the fact that he's here to stay. Um, obviously, they were probably geared for those questions. I think Moisel had been briefed beforehand what to say. James, <laughs> what do you make his comments, mate? Well... Not so much his comments. I mean, just just overall. I mean, look, Moyes has been dealt. Let, let's if we look at this objectively, right? Moyes has been dealt a shit hand, right? 
uh, we can, we can't sit here and say he's had it easy. Um, he was always going to struggle struggle to keep up the highs of last year's finish. I don't even think Sam would probably hit those highs consistently. But his attitude, his dealing with the press, his signings, his management of the resource at his disposal have all been absolutely appalling. You can't separate the fact that his dour and negative demeanour from an absolute shambles on the pitch. As a salesman to try and attract players to the club, he's failed. As a motivator for the players on the pitch and for the fans in the stands, he's failed. As a tactician trying to get the most out of the players he has mm. and finding a way to beat rival sides, he's failed. He's had the backing from fans from day one. He's also had an owner singing his praises, stating that he's been after him for three or four years. He's had a squad that had momentum and was still on a high from a fantastic escape. He's made excuse after excuse after excuse. He takes no responsibility himself. Moyes has failed. It's simple. He's failed in spectacular style. Any other manager would have been sacked months ago, in my opinion. He has to go. And this has to be before we start preparations for next season. Because I would not trust him with a quid. Never mind millions to try and rebuild a squad, having seen what he's bought during the last season. He's got no creativity He's, he's an absolute dinosaur. He's out of touch. He's got to go. I'm sorry, he's not the right man for this football club. And there's nothing he's done in the past eight months or so that makes me think he is. I, I, I can't stand him. I think the way this squad, the way this season's gone, it's just been shambolic. And it, it all comes from the manager. I'm sorry it does. I feel like a proud teacher, Jim. <laughs> uh, oh, it's it's just. I mean, it's 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 just beautiful. I mean, um, if I just send it up, if end podcast, the, well, well, exact words about you know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the, the question for for July really yeah, about his future, about you know whether he's the right man for the job was was the question uh, to bring us back up or to or to take the the long term task on. And we got it wrong in July. I mean, it's it, it's also a question that's been important, but uh, but absent from sort of mainstream football debate for the last five or six months. I mean, it's been glaringly obvious. Really, it's been staring us in the face for a long time. You know, he spouted absolute nonsense on a weekly basis. He's been dishonest um, about why he's not picked players. Um, you know, uh, he's he's made excuses for himself and and thrown the players under the bus. He's he's bred indifference, frustration, inadequacy in the squad, and he's cultivated it. And it just I just wonder how anyone can continue to support him. Five wins all season, one win since Christmas, fourteen percent win percentage in the league. You know, to, to put this into perspective, you're talking about other managers, Jim, being gone by now. Bob Bradley had an eighteen percent win percentage at Swansea, and he was unanimously. And gratuitously derided by yeah, exactly. by the mainstream media because he's because he's because he's not mates with with the, with a lot of the people who have a voice in the media here, and he's not got mates like Kevin Kilbarn and and Phil Neville who will fight his corner and and disguise their personal friendships behind this cloak of informed objective analysis that they've got now. And just because you put these people in a studio and give them a newspaper column or put them on match of the day, it doesn't make them objective. It doesn't mean that they've got anything objective to say about the situation. I mean, they said on Match of the Day, this has been coming for five years. Now, I agree relegation could realistically have been coming for five years. We've been fighting it for, for five years, and that's fine. But and, and people are saying this is just what we could expect this season. They put, they put on a graphic the last five seasons points total. Let me read them out to you, right? The 38 points, 39 points, 38 points, 39 points. 21 points did you right did anyone just notice that dramatic drop at the end there right anyone notice that one that sticks out like a sore thumb right now relegation might have been coming but and and but this wasn't releg this isn't relegation this is humiliation and surrender and and it's a manager who has who who has to own the failure um you know at the end of last season people were saying oh you, you know who was looking at that when Allardyce was on the pitch the, the fans are all celebrating. We've got those atmospheres. We've got those big wins against Chelsea and Everton. Who was looking at that and thinking, oh, yeah, but they'll collapse like a house of cards next year? No one was thinking that. People were thinking mid-table, bright future, you know, good good uh, base on which to build a squad. Yeah, it was more Moyes of a finally, in, wasn't it? Suddenly, it was every, yeah. Moyes walks in, suddenly it's a damned project. It's pointless. Fool's errand. You know, 
this relegations can be dignified and brave or they can be apathetic disjointed calamities or any a mixture of anything else you want it's the manager's job to insulate the players from the chaos and the upheaval off the pitch that, that fair enough has been going on and he's not done it he's talked about it all the time he's used it as an excuse and insulation for his own failure and and for me it's it's been coming all season and and uh, and the how anyone can continue to support him, um, I, I, just, I just I find it baffling. He, he needs to he needs to go, and and the sooner the better for me. I completely agree. He's been an awful appointment from from day one in terms of just like you said, being negative, the excuses he made, the way yeah, just from minute one, he he sort of turned up thinking, well, well, this is this isn't a project I can succeed in, and that's clearly had a big effect. He got both transfer windows horribly wrong, and like like Jim said, you would not trust him. You would not trust him with another rehaul in the summer. We talked last week about all the players that are going away on a free tramp that that were out of contract in the summer. That the players that are going back to their parent clubs on loan and potentially the three or four others that, that we're actually going to get a bit of bob for and sell. The one thing I would say, though, that hasn't been brought up, I see Moyes as, as an awful appointment, but I just see him as another chapter in the short-termist awfulness of uh, the short's ownership of Sunderland. I think really, when you look at it, I, I think it is fair to say it has been coming. I think under Allardyce, if he'd stayed, we still would have been a bottom eight team. I think we'd probably, if you look at, West Brom under Pulis, their first two seasons under him, that sort of 15th, 16th spot, I think that's where we would have been. I think the problems of the revolving door that Sunderland football clubs become under Ellis Short, where all the best players leave, where the bad players stay, and everything in between happens, and, and just sort of like the awfulness, the rotten core of the club. Those things were still present under Allardyce. We still would have struggled Maybe Kone would have regressed a bit, as he has done. We still would have lost crucial players. I don't think you can guarantee that Kirkhoff would have been fit under Allardyce. I think there would have been issues and it would have been a tough season, but there's no way it would have been as bad as it has been. But in general, when you look at how we've never committed to a long-term plan, how we lose our manager three weeks before the season starts and all of a sudden it's disaster because there's no infrastructure in place to do with the magic going where Allardyce did everything. That wouldn't happen at a better run club. So there are other factors. Ellis Short has been terrible, and I think you can't talk about our relegation without mentioning him as well. Moyes has been awful, and Ellis Short has been an awful owner, and I think it's only fair that you talk about both when you're discussing our relegation. Absolutely, and we will discuss Short, actually, moving on to Ellis Short. Uh, similarly, he released comments uh, almost immediately after the Bournemouth match, after relegation was confirmed. Uh, amongst those comments, one of the things he said was that when the season is concluded, we intend to share our plans to move forward with our supporters. Now, as a supporter, I don't much believe anything that Ellis Short says. Um, a lot of people say, well, he was straight out with a comment, straight out with comments, you know what I mean? Straight out with a, a statement. Well, of course he was. That statement probably sat on his desk for the last three months. Just needed a few things, a few words swapped around, a team name chucked in there. Not really an issue. Um, there's a lot of things that can be said, or rather a lot of things that can be speculated on when it comes to Ellis Short. Um, that's again something that we hope to do in the future on this show. Uh, when we get a little bit more detail on our finances, so the financial records were released, kind of but we're waiting for some more in-depth records to come out. But for now, what we have to deal with with Ellis Short is what we're told, basically, what he tells us and what we're told about him. Uh, with no with no straight line of sight to Ellis Short, to, his, to the way his mind's working, to any kind of business plans he has, as I say, we can but speculate. Sadly, in a situation where you've got this team that's been struggling for the last... Well, pretty much since this guy came in, yes, we had problems before that. There's a reason that we were sold, you know, or rather there's a reason that and we were in a bit of a difficult situation at the time. Regardless of that, it's, can we trust this man? This is, this is the trouble for me. It's, it's been said before. It's been said very recently. Like, yeah, the, we've had problems. We, even if it was coming, even if it was always going to happen, and regardless of which manager we had or which players were or were not injured, we were always going to come to oh, go down to relegation. But it's been asked, is Ellis Short really the man 
to fix those problems. He's presided over those problems for years. He's had multiple opportunities and supposedly invested a lot of money trying to fix this problem. And he's failed to do so. I don't see any reason that he should be able to do so now under the least charismatic manager, the least capable manager that we've had under his tenure. Um, people said, I mean, obviously our, our previous managers, Paolo De Canio, got a lot of stick. Do you know what I mean? Martin O'Neill got a lot of stick. Steve Bruce got a lot of stick. Everyone got a lot of stick. Gus Boyer got a lot of stick. Now, I can look back to the tenure of those managers and I can remember the elation and the hope and the joy that I got from watching the team play, not throughout the entire season, but at times during that season. I can't imagine that with David Moyes. I can't imagine that, but that's neither here nor there. Regardless of that, how is this owner going to change things? How is bringing in even, let's say David Moyes walks tomorrow, which he won't, but let's say he does. How is he going to, how can we trust Ellis Shaw to take over that decision again? Can we trust him to own this problem? And can't. say, well, no, we can't, can we? I, I don't believe we can. I don't think he's proven anything to, or he's, I don't think he's done anything to prove to us that he's capable of being a shrewd owner of a football club. And now we all know that you shouldn't get into owning a football club just to make profit. And that isn't what the fans are demanding. We aren't overly ambitious. We are not an overly ambitious club. We do not have high demands. We expect passion on the pitch. We expect players who want to wear the jersey. And we expect an owner that actually wants to achieve something for the community, for the city, for the history of the club. Instead, we're told that, oh, well, it's a problem with debt. This needs to be sorted out. That needs to be sorted out. He's pumping money into the club. Is he fuck, quite frankly? I'm sick of hearing it from a lot of people as well. We hear it all the time that Ellis Shaw is some sort of... He's some sort of uber fan, do you know what I mean? He, and he suffers the way we suffer, and he, he really feels it. It really hurts him. I'm, I'm sick of hearing it, mate. I'm really sick of hearing it. It's lies. It is pure lies. This man is an interloper. He does not belong at the club. He does not deserve to own the club. He doesn't deserve to be anywhere near it. Now, we've heard recently about Ellis Short that he's turned down recent offers from potential investors to take over this club, to buy this club from us, and to therefore, you would think... Get us out of whatever kind of funk, this spiritual, existential funk that can't be labelled or identified or personified in any kind of way, shape or form. But something's wrong with the club and Ellis Short has to fix it. Now he's had the opportunity to sell it for above asking price and he hasn't taken that opportunity. Now, this is just speculation. This is just what goes around. Do you know what I mean? I'm not in that boardroom. I can't make that decision. But if these things are true... If, if something like that is true, if, if he's actually actively turned away the opportunity for someone else to come in and take the reins and see what they can do with the club, if he's turned it away on the basis that he knows better, fucking hell. There, there, there are no words. There are no words to describe what that would make him. Do you know what I mean? He would, he would be beyond an idiot. It's selfish. It's childish. It's completely lacking in any kind of shrewdness. I don't understand. To me now, it's all about pride. Uh, I'm assuming that he's keeping it because because he wants to, because he doesn't want to admit that he's made such a huge mistake that five times now he's tried to start again with money and it hasn't fixed his problem. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I don't know where to go. Uh, regardless, we'll go more into short. I don't want to talk your ears off about it anyway because he's really wound me up. But yeah, <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Quite I don't, clearly. I don't, I don't want to go into it. But yeah. No, uh, what about you, lads? I mean, Callum, what do you make of Ellis Short beyond that? Like with regards to I mean, his comments specifically about plans with the uh, to share the plans with the supporters and things like that, do we believe this? Uh, I I think you have to be sceptical, definitely. Um, I I really don't like the fact that at the minute to criticise my football team, I probably should have a master's degree in economics. Um, you know, it, it's this kind of. Uh, you know, when I try and criticise a performance, people are just like, oh, well, you know, what you've got to understand is that we've got all this debt that we owe to all these different banks and companies at different interest rates, and obviously we've got instalments on fees, and, and you just think, and, and our wages are 78.7% to turnover and stuff like that, and you think, do you know what, I just want to watch a football match. <laughs> I just want to support my team. And uh, I don't really want to think about the economics of it, but, uh, and, and to be honest, that's a legitimate excuse. I mean, Lots of clubs have turmoil kicking about behind the scenes, but for me, it, it, it's it, fair enough. It may impact a little bit, but it doesn't explain 
it, it shouldn't explain everything. And, and and if that's seeping into the player's mindset, then then that's not a good thing. Um, in terms of the plan going forward, how much of it they can share with the fans, you can't you can't publish all the plans to the fans. And I think the fans understand that. I think people, the fans don't actually really. I mean, obviously, I don't claim to speak for the fans. I can only speak for myself. But in, from my point of view, I I wouldn't necessarily want to hear their exact plan of how they're going to reduce the debt while also allow us to progress. What I want to see is is uh, is improvement on the pitch, and I think most fans can can identify improvement, whether it's small or 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 you know large leaps or whatever. I think as long as we see uh, the the squad improving and 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 the manager um, being you know really investing themselves in the club, really understanding what it is to stand you know proudly as the manager of the club rather than making excuses. And, and separating himself from from the players, you know, he has to be a part of it and, and really invest himself in it. And I don't feel like he's done that. So, uh, from my point of view, it, the the communication of the plan is going to be difficult. Uh, I think the main part, the main place they have to communicate the plan is on the pitch, and, have to and, and, uh, and, and that's all there is to it, really. I mean. Uh, other than that, I'm, I'm I'm not really sure how they can communicate it in any meaningful way because, after all, we're football fans and we want to see Sunderland do well on the pitch. At the end of the day, that's that's all that really matters to to us. Yeah, I mean, I as I've said, I, I don't expect it to do anything. I agree with you there. I, don't, I think even if they did come out and they told us what they were planning to do, I don't think we'd even care. I don't think we, for a start, I don't think it'd be good news. I think if they came out right now, if Bain came out right now and told the 100% truth, absolute truth, about what, what he had planned for this club over the next few months, we'd all shit a brick. I don't we think we'd want to hear it. it. No, no, I'd just be like, what? Are you, are you, are you, there'd be no, there's going to be no one left, basically, lads. Total apocalypse. Imagine a wasteland where the flags of the club that you loved once lay. No, I don't want to see that, to be honest. Well, no trust. No, no trust there. Absolutely, I completely agree with that. Moving on slightly, though, talking about this, uh, this, <laughs> this fictitious, uh, unidentifiable rotten core that we have at the club. Since we've looked at the manager, we've looked at the owner. Uh, we've concluded, or rather, they've concluded for us that it's nothing to do with them; that they can't fix it. And obviously, we've got a new CEO now. That's been turned around. So there's only really one constant there, and it's it's players, isn't it? There are there are long term serving players that rumor has it aren't necessarily, or rather, are part of the problem rather than part of the solution. Uh, talking specifically, I mean, from what we've heard, O'Shea could be part of the problem. Catamol could be part of the problem when it comes to that drinking culture, things like that. What do you make of that, Gav? Um, obviously, it would be. I couldn't I couldn't say for certain what mm-hmm. what goes on behind the scenes, but the fact that you hear quite a lot about it does make you wonder, doesn't it? It mm-hmm. makes you wonder how, how bad it is, how rife it has been. Um more importantly, really, regardless of, of drink or anything like that, just how much how comfortable these players are behind the scenes, how much say they have, um, how much they just walk around basically and do what they want. Uh, you know. Paulo De Canio for his for his flaws identified that very quickly, didn't he? And he, and he wanted rid of Catamore. So you know, I'm not trying to say that Paulo De Canio was right, but it does make you wonder, doesn't it, whether he had something really? Um, on top mm. of that, on top of that, you've got to look at just the the mismanagement over over what's been now a long time. Uh, those two players have been here the whole. The whole time, haven't they? Mm, exactly. So you know, it, it does make you wonder whether whether the just the culture within the club of of you know players coming here uh, for an easy payday don't really have to push themselves. They aren't expected to do anything more than than the bare minimum. You kind of wonder whether that sort of attitude, which is clearly run through the club for now for for what maybe six seven years, you kind of wonder whether that has. Um, being influenced by by the, the the supposed leaders in the dressing room, Catmull and, and O'Shea, who have both who have both been captains at one point or another, pretty much seen as is the is the figureheads of of the squad. It, it does make you wonder whether whether there's something in that. Personally, I think that 
that probably is something in it. Whether they're they're the main cuts, I don't know. But just just the fact that it's allowed to go on and players are allowed to come to Sunderland and take the piss out of us. I just kind of wonder how much how much of that comes from within. And you you, you know you see these comments about Patrick Van Anholt, for instance. Um, whether we can read too much into that again, but it was published in the Daily Mail today that uh, Van Anholt told other players that he wasn't he was going to feign injury if someone didn't allow him to leave to Crystal Palace to force him to move through effectively. And it, the the fact that the fact that that's even a thing just mm. blows my mind. Blows my mind and makes us wonder, you know, if that's one thing, yeah. how how many of these things have happened? How many how many how much of this goes on behind the scenes and and really how many how many of these players have any respect at all for this club? I think it, we can probably gauge none of them. But you look at you look at where the season's ended and you can definitely say none of them. But it just makes you wonder, doesn't it? Those those are the main men. Those are the main yeah. men, and it has, how long has it gone on? It's lack of professionalism, isn't it? It just it seems to be like from top to bottom for years. So many players seem to come out after they've left Sunderland and have bad things to say. You just wonder where this lack of professionalism stems from, and is it from these players that have been there for for a few years, or is it because is it from the owner? Is it? I think when Steve Bruce brought in a lot of these players, I think he was pally with a lot of well, a lot of them wasn't he? he was quite a he wanted to be kind of one of the lads. I think there's a lot of a lot of videos of them in training and he wants to be quite close to them all and I wonder if they all got a bit comfortable around someone like him and the first sniff of a manager who had a bit of balls and a bit of backbone was was Paolo for all his shortcomings and you know they all shit a brick and went to the owner and said we're not going to play for him Mm. you know it's it, it really does make you wonder where where this starts because there is no smoke without fire I think I mean again back to Paolo he 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 singled out Connor Wickham, I think, didn't he? Saying that he wanted to be more of a more a spice boy rather than a footballer. He had to convince <laughs> him he's he wants to be in the gym more than he does on the training pitch. Yeah. And you just wonder is that something that is through the club? Uh, and how do how do we fix that? Well this is it again when we say when we wonder think when we have these sort of ideas that it's it's something to do with the club. It's something. Do you know what I mean? But there is no name, is there? There's no label. There's no tangible thing that this can be this can only be a person this cannot be some sort of spiritual demonic entity that's possessing the halls of Sunderland you know what I mean it's impossible for it to but that's what that's what people go on like oh it's it's been rotten it's been rotten at Sunderland for years right well we've changed owners we've changed CEOs we've changed managers we've changed backroom staff we've changed players uh, we've changed stadiums. So what's wrong here? What what is it? Do you know what I mean? Is there some sort of ghost that's haunting Sunderland supposedly? Because no one can actually tell me who's causing this problem. So talking about with regards, to, I mean, some rumours that it might be to do with O'Shea and Cats. Do you know what I mean? Is, is that possible? Is it possible that these players who we thought were the backbone that got everything that really understood us? Is it possible that there are a couple of prima donnas? Because don't forget when Paolo De Canio came in, first thing he did, first thing he did was take the captaincy off Catamol and give it to John O'Shea. Now, presumably, that's because Catamol... I mean, I thought initially that was a tactical move. I thought that was because Catamol was so much more likely to get himself booked, get himself sent off, do you know what I mean? Or rather, his, his temperament wasn't necessarily... It wasn't perfect for a leader. But the fact that it went from Catamol to O'Shea, and then it went back from O'Shea to Catamol, and we're talking about these two players in the same breath now as talking about potentially being an issue, do you know, being part of a drinking culture... Now, <clears throat> I don't know how you lads feel about it, but the idea that drinking culture could, disco- uh, could destroy a football club, I find completely preposterous. Uh, it, it's, it's backwards, it's paradoxical, it's oxymoronic. Do you know what I mean? They, they were drinking a long time before football started, yeah, and they were drinking throughout football. Drinking is the last thing that's going to separate a band of brothers. Do you know what I mean? It's one of the first things that's going to get them together. I don't think going out on the lash is a big deal. I think, obviously, when you're being paid a massive amount of money... As a lot of scrutiny comes into your day to day, I think as long as you can do your job, do you know what I mean? As long as you can get on the pitch and you can actually win, then I, I don't think that there's any kind of issue with drinking or anything like that. But that's been, they've thrown to that before, the detractors and the naysayers have said that. It's the drinking culture at Sunderland that you can't get past. What, why is that? Is that, is that to say that players would rather not 
do a full day's training and they just rather go to the pub and get pissed up. Is that discipline. really what we're talking about? Discipline. It's discipline. Because as I said before, the only person who seemed to instill discipline was Paolo. Mm. And they then they got him sacked. And Moyes probably was. Maybe has tried to put uh, put some discipline in there, and again, that's probably that may have pissed some of the more senior players off. You never know. We're all respecting here. It might be complete rubbish. That's true. You know, but it's it. You do it does make you wonder. You know, that just the last five six years, the same with some of the same players being there, mm. and you know, and so many managers something. saying the same thing because yeah. so many managers have said the same thing. Whether it's when they whether these managers are saying the rotten core is Ellis Short because he's he is another. Um, stable figure throughout mm. those five years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, well, I don't, I don't want to go too far into it now. As we said, it's just speculation. Potentially, it I mean, could, I, it could I, be nonsense. Carry on, come. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I would say is obviously trying to understand what it's like to to be a footballer living this career is a very difficult thing to try to understand, and obviously they have. The, you know the the career that that all of us would would want, mm. and so it's very difficult for us to at all sympathize or or empathize in any way we we just kind of we criticize because we think that well like getting all this money, they should just act like they're you know that act like they're on on the pitch, you know giving their all um as though it's their it's their passion and and nothing else um and and respect the fans but the problem is they see the fans on the terraces they're separated from them and they see them once a week they work with the hierarchy the the staff the you know with each other every day and it becomes such an i think it becomes such an insulated culture that it must take a lot to 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 retain the perspective and and to shut out what you're working in all day which is a completely ridiculous money spinning culture and and under still understand exactly what it is uh football should be you know in its purest sense and i think you know there are some players who have that natural hunger and that natural perspective where they still remember i for all of his performances lacking you know the intensity recently mm-hmm. i think jermaine defoe has a, has a natural hunger for the game i think he understands i think he respects it um, I think he's hungry to succeed and he's hungry to be a success. How much of that is about respect for us and, and, and for how much of it is just personal ambition? Who knows? I mean, we, I don't know him, but it, it, you know, for the amount of times you think it's genuine and you, and, and you, you, you badly let down. But the problem is these players who leave, they're leaving and they're saying bad things, but they haven't, they, they're not working with the fans. They're not interacting with the fans they're not living with the fans they're eating and training and living and traveling with players who are all in the same bubble we're all living these ridiculous lifestyles on ridiculous wages and and you know for for years Sunderland have been buying these players who have who are maybe on the way down the hill or maybe they're not great players but we have to pay them big wages to attract them here rather than somewhere down south so we end up with players who aren't actually great players they get put on big money their egos inflate unjustifiably or maybe their egos are already inflated and 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 they come here and they think oh well, i've made it and and they don't have the hunger anymore because it football is is no longer about uh about you know passion or, or really pushing yourself to the highest level it's they've they've, they've got pretty much all they want they're not hungry anymore yeah. and i think it's it's quite it you know with the player culture, I can't imagine what it must be like to be in that culture and, and to try to retain the perspective. And and for all the players who do it, I think I think it's a, an impressive achievement to not to be not to be sniffed at that because it must take some serious willpower to shut out all the nonsense and still remember what you're playing for and why and why you are where you are, which is ultimately the fans and the interest and the passion that the game generates. And and uh, and and with our players, it does look like we don't have enough of those characters who can shut out the nonsense and who can actually understand why they are where they are, why they get the money they do, and why they live the lifestyle and in the luxury that they do as well. Um, so I, I just think that what we need to do is we need to find hungry, hungry players who are eager to prove themselves, who have the quality that, you know, it's not easy to do. You have to discover it before anyone else gets there, and you have to also be able to judge character. 
But I think we need to really target a system that says, all right, you want to play for a big club. We understand that. You want to play at the highest level. We get that. We'll help you there if you help us and, and we'll both be good for each other and we'll, and we'll help each other get on. For, for too long now, Sunderland has been the club that helps players who aren't willing to help Sunderland. And, and, uh, and I think that's got to change and we've got to start looking uh, more sensibly at, at players and, and a bit deeper than just where they play, mm-hmm. where they're from, what their name is, what they did when they were 19. You know, um, we, we need to, we need to be a lot more sensible, a lot more, um, <clears throat> we, we need to have a bit more ingenuity about us. And, and hopefully, um, if, if that changes, then we can, re- then we can kick on and we can start to give the fans the, the players and the, and the culture and the squad that they deserve. Mm, absolutely. I mean, one can dream for such things, but moving nicely on to, that does actually take us nicely on to a player that I believe has some of those, uh, some of those virtues that you just described. And we're going to talk briefly about Didier Ibrahim Ndong. Now, this gentleman arrived with us for a supposedly record fee of which we have paid very little, uh, about a million now, give or take, if, depending on who you're listening to. For a lot of people, I mean, he arrived without much fanfare in spite of having that price tag. Do you know what I mean? Uh, he came with uh, some expectation, certainly, simply because of that price tag again. Um, a lot to be said about what a price tag can do, actually, what the media can do, what that sort of, um, the effect that can have on players uh, and, and fans. Now, for me, he didn't start off particularly well, but he, he soon settled into it and settled into a consistent role, I believe. He's been tried in different positions. He's not necessarily played in his natural position. I believe he handles what's given to him very, very, very capably. For such a young player, I think we've got a bargain there. Lawson, my friend, what would you make of Didier Ndong? Yeah, I like him. Yeah, I like him. Like you said, started slowly. He still looks a bit raw. You can still tell he's an experienced, but he's 22 years old, and you really have to hope that... He's going to come good, and hopefully, my concern is that we won't, but hopefully we can see his best years in a Sunderland shirt. I think I'd probably put Jordan Pickford's emergence as a genuine contender for the England number one shirt. That's the biggest positive about this season. Seeing Defoe score for England whilst he was representing Sunderland, maybe second in a dour season, and Dong's emergence maybe comes in at number three. Mm. I like his energy. I like sort of the way he can impose himself on a game with his physicality. I think his energy is infectious. And the thing as well is there's clear areas where he can get better. I think his medium length passing, especially in transition to start up counter-attacks, still isn't at a Premier League level, and that's something he can work on. And also just his game awareness, knowing when when to take three or four touches, knowing when to release a pass after two or three touches, sort of his awareness of what rounds him on a pitch can improve. So, so yeah, there's lots of important Jimmy, because it's interesting to me that of the three things you say are emerging from this season, the top two are beneficial to England and will be, will be not beneficial at all to Sunderland when those players leave. So the third, the thing that ranks third in the emergence from this season for you is the thing that will affect Sunderland. It's a sad, damning indictment of our situation, isn't it? I'm sorry, carry on. I just had to. I'm worried as well. Um, just <laughs> to say with England, will be all right. When Don't we, worry, when we signed him, I thought this could be an Alfred and Dyer, a player that we signed when he's really raw. And that sort of makes mistakes that cost us points, cost us matches that we're going to sell. And then three, four years down the line, you're going to see him play in Europa League football, sort of getting to another level above where Sunderland are for another team. And I still think people will be looking at him in the summer as someone who's young, who can get better who in a different system can fill an effective role for a better team. So even even sort of saying third most positive things come out of the season, is it actually going to benefit Sunderland in the long run? I'm not so sure. So, yeah, we're going to have to wait and see with him, but I like what I see. And hopefully if we do go, if he does go, we can at least get some bob for him, get some money for him. Yeah, uh, no, I agree. I think you made some good points there, but... Um... One thing I would like to add, though, is that I don't think he gets the credit that he actually deserves from our fans, which I find mm. baffling, really, because because of how bad this season has been, 
Um, people, people still look at him, and there are people who still think he's not very good. And I just kind of wonder, you know, when you've seen that much shit this season, can you not recognise at least one of these fuckers as half decent? Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, but that's by the by. Like I think, I think eventually he'll be one of those players when he leaves. People will look back and go, "Yeah, he was a good player. Probably should have hung on to him." You know, because well, I, you know, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think he's, I don't think he's necessarily going to leave this summer. But it wouldn't surprise anyone if he did. Because you know he's, he's he's capable of playing in the Premier League. He's capable of playing in pretty much all the top leagues in Europe. I would say, mm. uh, but particularly the Premier League, he just seems so suited to it. He, you know, he, his enthusiasm, his energy, his pace, his, his strength as well. He's, he's shown a lot of strength recently, battling yeah, for he, battling for the ball. And, you know what I mean? At times when you think it's lost, and you see him go to ground with it in between his legs, and it's it's really encouraging, I think, to see. And as you say. Uh, Fans not appreciating him, all we have to do, I mean, we've said this before, we said this months ago, look at statistically, look at the stats on the pitch, you know what I mean? He's getting more passes, more touches than anyone on the pitch. He's got high pass accuracy and he's, if you couple that with what he's doing with regards to challenging, moving back for tackles, I, I think he's a quality player. I don't think we'll lose him. And he, for me, it's, it's almost like, I don't want to, I'm, I'm reluctant to say it, but it's almost like if there was a plan, with regards to Moyes and Bain and the players they brought in. I mean, we are going to do a show, just for you guys listening, we are going to do a show uh, a couple of weeks from now, and we're going to go through all of the players, basically, and we're going to rate them all and rank them all and see who's worth keeping, see who's worth not. So we won't go too far on about players like that for this show. But specifically with him, I, it feels to me like he was one of the few plans that Moyes had in the transfer market actually panned out. I feel like even, I mean, if you're going across my conspiracy side of things and you believe that Moyes planned his squad uh, specifically with the championship in mind then I think he's done a bloody good job there and I think we'll keep him as a result I think he was in t- I don't think he was intentionally I don't, I don't think he was meant to be utilised as much as he has been in the Premier League I think Moyes might have expected him to be raw as we say he is raw but I, I think he might have expected him to be a little bit more raw than he is a little bit more green than he actually is than he turned out to be I think you're right, Gav. I think we'll uh, we'll probably look back on him and see him as. Uh, I think he'll go to a, a a classy team. Do you know what I mean? A, a, a team that requires composure, a, that requires strength in bit, the middle. It's a bit like what Jimmy said. You know, you mentioned Alfred and Dye, and people kind of look back on him, don't they, in the same way? Kind of, you know, what what could have been? Yeah. Not necessarily a world beater, but a player that we definitely didn't give enough chances to. Yeah. Um, and I just hope I just hope that he stays. I think he'd be epic in the championship. Like, I think when we're looking at, I know, like say we're going to look at who stays and goes in, in the future, but I just think when you look at the players that you want to keep, he's definitely one of them. Because when you look at the, the championship, some of the teams in there, um, the, the teams who who do well in the championship have midfielders who do that job, and mm. the ones who don't do so well have the cloggers and the players who aren't so so gifted on the ball. Where I think I think in Dong is perfectly suited English football at every level. Yeah. I think I think the championship you'll 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 own that league just for the for the sheer way that he carries himself as a player. I think I think he'll improve playing at that level as well. As strange as that sounds, he's, he's still very very raw and young. Um, but again, again, just a, a quality player who I, who I think I, I know I'm, I genuinely mean that. I think he is a quality player. I don't I don't think I'm overreacting it. I think he's he's got a lot about him and he's played in the poor team all season. He's come mm. over here. He's you know he's come he's come here as a young lad in a foreign league in a bad situation and managed to stand out for me. Yeah. And I just think he, he deserves all the respect in the world from the Sun fans for that. Exactly. It's just a shame that he doesn't he doesn't necessarily get it. No, I think I think if it came down to something like Player of the Season, and despite Defoe's downturn in form, I think Defoe would get it over him. I completely agree with with our sentiments there. Just like he is underrated and he really deserves a little bit more. Um, from the fan base but moving on we are running out of time as fun as it is to be with you people we're moving on now to look at Hull it's a game that doesn't particularly matter for us but it matters a lot for Hull now are we going to be spiteful enough to just screw them over and <laughs> get a win when we really couldn't get one like ever before we're we going to do that is now we're going to pick it up looking at Hull unbeaten in the last eight home games and they've won their last four uh, what sort of thing can we expect you reckon James um, I, I can, to be honest, I think, I think they'll beat us. I, I, I can't see much coming from this side. I think you often hear that teams who are relegated, you know, the pressure's kind of, you know, the pressure's lifted. I think it was, uh, Jolie and Lescott said it last year for Villa. You know, he said, oh, you know, we can, um, 
with the pressures now off our shoulders and we could go on and maybe express ourselves. I don't see that necessarily being the case with our lads. Mm. Um, I think uh, I think it's going to be a tough game. Hull are fighting for their lives. Um, they're a decent side as well. Marco Silva's got them playing some good stuff. And they seem to want to play for the manager. I just can't imagine some of our bigger names, in inverted commas, really pushing themselves in a game that essentially means nothing. You know, will Wabi Kazri or... You know, Jermaine Defoe really put themselves about and, you know, going for a 50-50 where, you know, they, they could potentially get injured or something. Will they want to do that with, with moves on the horizon in the summer? Um, for me, I'd, I'd look to play as, as, as many of the, the younger players or players who will be with us next season as possible. Let's bed them in now and let's start moving with that rather than playing some of these lads who, who, who essentially aren't going to be there. I think Jermaine Defoe needs a spell on the sidelines as well. Mm, fair enough. What about you? What do you make of it, Jimmy? Similar, similar, like, if we play the kids, at least that's going to give the fans something to cheer for. It's going to give them a bit more pride in what's going on. But unfortunately, I agree with Jim. I, I think Bournemouth was us putting in 100%, us trying to play attacking football, mm. and we still lost. And I don't think we're even going to be able to replicate that performance, I think. I think you're going to see players down in tools. We've talked about a lack of effort and fight when relegation wasn't on. When relegation was on the line, now it's not on the line. I, yeah, I, I think we're going to put in a pretty weak effort. And as it's sort of been hinted at before, the anti-David Moyes, Marco Silva, yeah, he's probably going to get one over on us. <laughs> Gav, what do you make of it, mate? What do you think our chances are? I think we're going to get tonked. I think it's going to be three or four at all. I really do. Yeah. I don't think they're a special team, but then they really need to win this game. It reminds me a little bit, I know totally different situations really with the teams that are playing the informed side, but it kind of reminds me of when we played Everton last season mm. and they didn't have a hope in hell's chance against anybody. We played them at the perfect time and we needed to win and you know it was a relatively routine game. I kind of feel the same way about this, but I, think, I just think Hull are so good at home under this guy and they know they need to win. They know they're playing a team who have nothing to throw at them. Um, they're going to be well up for it, and they don't struggle to score goals either. Let's be honest. You look, you look at some of the results recently, and you kind of just wonder um, when the first one is going to go in. It might be early doors, and I think it might be a pretty miserable day for us. So, I'm not expecting much. I, I do want to see, I do want to see the kids, as your dad would say. Mm-hmm. I would like to see the kids played at some point towards the end of the season, but I just wonder when when the, the time's right, really because it's kind of poisonous at the minute. I'm not sure. What, I've thought a little about this over the last few days, and I'm, I'm kind of torn whether it's a good idea or not, because, you know, on one hand, everybody knows that we're down now, so, you know, there would be no resentment shown towards anybody really giving, giving some of the younger players a chance. Um, but on the other hand, it's, it's again, I'm telling you now, we're going to get hammered. Why would I want any of the kids on the pitch to be amongst yeah. that? Yeah. It's just, you know, it doesn't make any sense, but... Um, I think the most important thing is that Honeyman gets his chance between now and the end of the season because out of all of them, he's the one who needs to earn a contract and it's mutually beneficial. Really, you're giving the lad a chance to, to prove his worth and then on the other hand, he's getting some game time and if it doesn't work out, he already might get some nice move off the back of it. Mm. Um, other, other than that, I'm going to probably guess not many of them will play. Love only played on the weekend because Billy Jones called in sick on the morning of the game or something. So mm. it's... Um, yeah, I, I can't. I can't see there being many changes, but it's going to be. A, I think it's going to be a rough afternoon for us. Fair enough. What about you, Callum? Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean they they're just our antithesis, really, aren't they? They're just our opposite. I mean they've they've got momentum, they've got belief, they've got pace, they've you know they've got um they're, they're scoring goals, their defence looks quite solid. Um, you know they've got they've got a bit of, they've got a bit of power in their team. You know, we've got like Maguire has been a bit of a rock for them, and then Jai's really helped add a bit of energy to their midfield. Bit, of, you know, bit of uh, forward thinking, a bit of passing as well, forward thinking. Um, yeah, I, I don't really, I, I can't see how we would really be able to deal with with the um, with the the momentum they can they can bring into this game and 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 use to push themselves forward. I mean. Uh, you know, Markovic has been a, a really good player for them, he's, and he's got pace to burn, really. Um, 
and and Nias has been in decent form again. He's he's got good movement and a decent mm. finish on him. You know, the, and and Klukas is really tidy on the ball. You know, they've got players in form. They've got players in form who are who are looking forward to their games and, and believe that they can get results. I mean, they beat Watford two nil and they had ten men for more than half the game. You know, that kind of belief um, can't buy that. Um, and uh, and and so I, I would agree that that it looks very much like exactly the kind of game that Hull would want and and just a kind of another f- formality of a defeat for us that's that's all I can really see happening Fair enough, well it's quite damning from the entire crew here but I think I would actually have to back them up there as well I mean what same person would anticipate that now of all time suddenly would come storming out of the gates that would be typical of David Moyes, I would expect him to miss the race so badly that he began once it had finished, I would expect that from David Moyes, <laughs> but yeah, that's all you've got time for anyway. It's all we've got time for today, ladies, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, thanks for joining me, guys. Thanks for having this chat. Thank you to the audience for listening to us as ever. When it comes down to our final thought, we're doing this now. I'm giving you a final thought. As with, with regards to relegation, lots of us, it, it, for lots of us, it was anticlimactic. It's been said that it was going to happen. As fans, we've been we've been expecting it almost every year. We've been lucky not to get it. I don't think that we deserve it, though, just on the basis alone that it's been coming, that it's happened before, that we've had bad managers, that we've made bad decisions. I don't think any club deserves that. I don't think any club, any fan base deserves the humiliation that we've got. I don't believe they deserve the capitulation that we've got from the manager, and I don't believe they deserve the bullshit that they've been getting from the owner. Uh, yeah, I don't believe we deserve any of it. But like it or lump it, we are in the championship now as of next season. Uh, all this means for us is more games to go to and more shows to do. So nothing changes. We still support Sunderland. We love them till we die. We always will. However, lads. Uh, yeah. And I look forward to speaking to you next week on another episode of the Rocker Report. Don't forget you can listen to us by, uh, the Acast app or you can subscribe on iTunes. So yeah, this is signing off. Take care. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.